preacher who got up and announced his text and he said, I'm preaching on the past, present, and future of God, man, and the devil. Now, I don't know how long it took him to preach that message, but that's sort of what I feel like when it comes to the Word of God. Brother Horn, we were talking Sunday evening, and he was talking about delivering the message on Sunday morning in Sunday school, and uh, he made mention of the fact of how much he had, and he said, you know, I'm not going to be able to get all of that. And uh, he was talking about, somebody said, uh, Brother Horn, you'll, you'll never finish. I said, well, if he ever finishes, I don't want to hear him. <laughs> because if you are called of God to preach, you'll never finish preaching the Word of God. God's Word is uh, not it's, uh, inexhaustive. It, it cannot be uh, exhausted. And uh, when you get into the Bible, my wife and I are starting this uh, first of the year, on our ninth straight year of reading through the Word of God. God convicted me that many years ago about reading the Word. We hadn't uh, never got together, my wife and I, as a family, and read the Word of God together. And so we're starting our ninth year this time. Every time we go through the Word of God, she has questions and I have questions of course, uh, she can't answer most of mine, but I try to answer hers. I just have to dig to get my answers because I'm all the time looking in the Word of God and trying to get into deeper things of the Lord. Some of the things I have on my mind, if I tried to tell you about them tonight, you would be lost. As a matter of fact, I think I lose a lot sometimes uh, when I get to preaching by bringing out some things that maybe you're not familiar with. But the Word of God is intended for you to study for yourself. You, as a child of God, if you've been saved for any amount of years, you ought not to be in the dark concerning the major doctrines in the Word of God. Now, if you're here and you're young and you haven't been saved, uh, maybe you've been saved less than a year or a year, or maybe just a little more than that. We do not expect you to know everything the Word of God teaches as far as the major doctrines are concerned. But I, I find in most churches that I have preached in and do preach in that most of the people or two-thirds of the people who are in the average church do not know the Scriptures. And it's sad. And uh, the reason is, and, and I put the blame right where it ought to be on us who preach the Word of God. Uh, we sometimes fail to teach our people uh, more than just three-point outlines, and we fail to get into the Word of God. I want to give you a couple of things here, and then I'm going to preach. Don't ever try to build Bible doctrine for the church on the Gospels. Don't ever try to build Bible doctrine for the church using the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament can be used in typology and there are types and, and similes and stuff in the Old Testament uh, that are brought out in the New Testament, but you can't build Bible doctrine on Old Testament. Old Testament is a Jewish book. The four Gospels are Jewish books. When you get uh, in uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're dealing with Jews. And uh, here's another thing. And we use it. I mean, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is true. That's a fact. But if you read that verse, you find nothing in John 3, 16 concerning the cross. You find nothing concerning the resurrection of Christ. You find nothing of his coming again. If you want to add to that and then get to the New Testament gospel that gets people saved for the church, you've got to get in the epistles of Paul. When you start in Romans and go through 
uh, Philemon. You have all of the doctrine for the New Testament church. And if you try to build doctrines outside of that uh, using the other scriptures, then you're going to be confused. And that's exactly what a lot of religions are trying to do today is take the Old Testament and try to build doctrines for the New Testament church and it doesn't work, my friend. That's not what I want to preach on. I just wanted to bring that to your attention because it was on my mind. If I tried to preach everything's on my mind, I'd preach the uh, Lord. And then I wouldn't preach some things because in some places I don't have a mind, you know. My wife, every now and then, I tell her, I said, man, them wheels get around there and they get to them empty spaces and I'm just like this. <laughs> Turn in the book of 1 Corinthians, if you would. I want to sort of give you a little lesson tonight on three classes of people that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Look at verse number 14. I'm going to let you remain seated tonight as I read the Word of God. No disrespect on the, on the Bible, but uh, a lot of you work and uh, are tired, so we're just going to let you remain seated tonight. Look at verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You wonder why a lot of people in the church do not know spiritual things and are not concerned with spiritual things. The problem is they've never been saved. And the Bible says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Now that word judged here simply means is discerned by no man. He's not understood. A spiritual man cannot be understood by a natural man when it comes to spiritual things. Brother, we're saved. We're headed for heaven. And every now and then we get excited on the way. And the natural man cannot understand why we get so excited about this thing of the blood, the cross, the resurrection, the coming of Christ, the rapture. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, help me tonight, Lord, because I'm liable to run out the back door. But the natural man cannot understand that. When you're sitting there and the preacher gets on a passage of Scripture and the Word of God, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit begins to, uh, to squeeze those tubes in your eyes and the water begins to flow and, and all of a sudden you hear me every now and then. You know, I mean the Spirit of God's got a hold of them and I can't contain myself. And I can't understand that. The natural man is not able to understand what makes us tick and what makes us do. They, he can't understand why that he can stand and curse you to your face or slam the door in your face when you're trying to lead him to Christ and he can't understand why you can turn around and say, I forgive you because you don't know what you're doing. The, the natural man can't understand that. Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I were in Moxville. Brother Jim Grider had resigned his church, give his church up after 30, how many years did he say? 38, 30, 40. Yeah, 40. After 40 years of ministry there, and I was his first pastor. Boy, what a blessing it was to see a man that I helped train in the ministry and the work of God 40 years later had stayed in the church for 40 years. And uh, this, uh, this uh, brother came up to me. I hadn't seen him in a long time. We used to go to church with him years ago. But he came up to me and he said, Brother Looney, he said, something has been bothering me, he said, for a long time. And I couldn't remember the last time I saw him, but been years and he was he's living off now in Virginia bought a farm in Virginia but he said I offended you he said many years ago in Sunday school and he said it's been bothering me to, to get to you and apologize for what I said I said well what did you say 
And he said, I, I, he, he couldn't remember, but he had offended me. And I said, well, brother, I sure don't remember anything about it. I don't know anything about it. I can't remember anything about him offending me, you know. Uh, had no idea what he was talking about. But he said, it's been bothering me. And he said, I, I want your forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive me. I said, brother, if you've ever done anything to me, I forgave you a long time ago. I don't know anything about it, but you're forgiven, brother, if you've done anything. I couldn't remember anything he'd done. Now, the world cannot understand that, and the natural man cannot understand how that a Christian wants to come because he thinks he's offended another brother and asked for forgiveness. But I've had to do that myself. And the world can't understand that, but I'm going to tell you tonight, my friend, if you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you and he's there inside of you and you offend a brother and you know that you offended that brother, that Holy Spirit will not let you rest, brother, until you make things right. Amen. It's no wonder some of our churches in the midst are in. Brothers are holding uh, things against another brother and don't have the backbone of the spirituality about them to come in the, the person of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and ask another brother or sister for forgiveness and get things right with God. There's a, a picture in the Word of God of a man named Nebuchadnezzar that was too proud Brother, he got built up in pride and he had that pride in his life and he stood back one day and he looked at Babylon and he said, is not this the great city, Babylon, that I have built with my own hands? And he was standing there patting himself on the chest and Daniel had already told him, brother, he said, your kingdom's gonna be taken away from you. He said, others are gonna take over your kingdom. He said, now, uh, they will eventually give it back to you, but he said, you're, you're going to lose your kingdom for a while. And while he's standing there uh, bragging, brother, the voice of heaven came down and told him, said, uh, your kingdom is taken away from you, and he lost his mind. And he was sent out into the field, and the word of God said that he ate straw like an ox for seven years crawling around out there in the dew. The word of God said his fingernails growed as eagle's claws and, and his hair was matted like feathers. And he's out there crawling around on the ground and e eating that straw because of his pride. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight, my friend. You get a pride built up in your life and have that pride built up in your life, don't be surprised if God doesn't knock the props out from under you and he can put you out in the field eating straw. Don't say he can't, brother. But I want to tell you one thing. When Nebuchadnezzar got right with God after seven years of crawling around out there eating that straw, brother, he came back and he said, brother, he said, the, the Lord God Jehovah, he's the God. He's the one. And he said, you're not serving anybody else in this kingdom but him. And I believe old Nebuchadnezzar got saved, brother. The word of God indicates that he was a Christian after that or uh, a believer in the, uh, in the Lord God uh, after he lost that pride. Brother, I'm going to tell you, pride is one thing that God hates. He'll knock the props out from under you. And I know some people right now that are walking on dangerous ground with pride in their life, too proud to get right with God, too proud to come and apologize to people for what they've done and things they've done to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're busy looking in the mirror or looking at somebody else instead of looking in the mirror and checking out their own life. Amen. So, Paul said here that uh, the spiritual man, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. In other words, he discerns all things. A spiritual-minded man or the man who's walking with the Lord Jesus Christ just don't dive right in to everything that's coming along. Sometimes people wonder why we don't do some of the things that we don't do. 
Brother, we have discerned that some things are not good for you. You know, spiritual discernment, I know who I want to hang around with and who I don't want to hang around with. And I've told some of them so. Why don't you, you know, go here, go there? I said, we are Christians. We belong to the Lord, and we don't go to those places. If you expect me uh, expect to find me sitting in a beer joint somewhere or sitting in a place where they're boozing it up and listening to all of this crazy music and all that stuff, brother, I've got better discernment than that. Now, if you want to talk about the old rugged cross and preach on the old rugged cross and sing songs about the uh, Lord Jesus Christ and the cross and his resurrection, his death, his burial, and things that exalt him, now I'm in for it. Amen. Just come on by the house. We'll have us a time. Had a preacher call me yesterday on the phone, and he was from Western Avenue Baptist Church. I, I didn't know him, but uh, he said, uh, uh, Brother, he said, uh, I would like to come and, and uh, present my work at Friendly Chapel. He said, I'm with the Gideons. And I said, well, that'd be fine. But I said, I'm no longer there. <laughs> I told him that I had turned it over. I said, you'll have to call the pastor there now if you want to go there. And we got to talking on the phone. He'd been in the Navy. And, and uh, of course, I've been in the Marines. We got talking about all this stuff. He said, man, he said, I would like to get with you. He said, and uh, he said, just sit down and talk to you. He said, uh, said can, I, uh, can I meet you somewhere and take you out to dinner and buy you dinner? I said, no. I said, but I'll tell you what you can do. I said, you can come by my house. Just come anytime. I told him where I lived. He said, well, I, I might just drop by and see you. And he said, I'd like to talk to you sometime. And I said, well, just come on anytime. I don't run out and eat too much because... I don't want to get like some of these others walking around here, you know, eating too much. And that's what's wrong with them, amen? Yeah, you know, somebody said, you know, if you don't want to get fat, don't be running around eating with the saints all the time. And that's what's happening, brother. Busy out drinking coffee and eating cake instead of knocking on doors, amen? <laughs> yeah. So the natural man is... Uh, uh, a man that doesn't discern much and he can't discern the spiritual man and the spiritual man discerns all things. He said, for who hath known the mind of the, of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now I want to say to you here tonight, my friend, if you do not have the mind of Christ, then probably you're not saved. The word of God says if we have not the spirit of Christ, we're none of his. So if you can devil around in the world and enjoy the things that the world enjoys and you can have a good time uh, uh, wandering around with that crowd and hanging out with that crowd, the chances are you're not saved. Because when you get the mind of Christ, brother, he's not going to let you go into the places that's going to bring dishonor and not bring glory to his name. The Spirit of God won't allow that. And uh, we have the mind of Christ. And Paul said in, in the verse number one of chapter three, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Now the reason Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians to start with was because of all of the problems that they were having and all of the sin that was in the church. If you go through 1 Corinthians and read all the things that Paul uh, addressed while he was writing under the church in Corinth, you would wonder how in the world it could be called a church of the Lord Jesus Christ because of all the sin and the division and stuff they had in the church. They started out by being having preacher religion. Some of them said, well, uh, I'm a Paul. Well, 
You might be a Paul, but Apollos over here can preach better than Paul. We follow Apollos. Well, now, yeah, Apollos, Apollos, he's pretty wise. But old Peter, he was a hard man, so we follow Peter. And on it went. And they were so divided over uh, which preacher they were going to follow. I want to say to you tonight, without any apologies, bless God, if you're following any other preacher than your pastor here, uh, and I'm not saying that you can't listen to other preachers. I enjoy listening to other preachers. I love to hear other preachers preach. But he is my pastor. And if you're following anybody else other than your pastor, you're depending on them to feed you spiritually and to neglect your church and to work here at Calvary Baptist Church, brother, by just having preacher religion, God help you. And I want to say this, and Brother Pope would say amen. Brother Pope is not your Lord. Now, he's to be respected. He's the pastor. We are to... Uh, honor him and the work that he does. We're to support him. We're to uh, to give, to help him in his ministry and to keep him going in the work of the Lord. But he is not my God. And I'm not going to bow down to him as my God. I'm going to honor him. I love him. And he knows that we do. But he's not my God. I'm not bowing down to no man. Somebody said here a while back that they had a pastor that didn't want his people listening to any other preachers. He thinks he's it, thinks he has the only message and that nobody else is in touch with God. I want to tell you something tonight. You don't have a monopoly on God, my friend. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit because, bless God, he lives right in here, man. Yes, sir, if you don't believe it, you get talking about Jesus, what he did for you, for me, and how did he save me and brought me out of sin. I get excited and start shouting, amen. Hallelujah. He's the Lord. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir, you don't have a monopoly on God, but some think they do. All right, just in a brief moment here. Boy, y'all give me too much time tonight. I'm used to preaching about two hours, and man, you turn me loose about 30 minutes ahead of time. I can preach the two and a half hours. <laughs> I want you to look at these three men, or three classes of people here that we read in 1 Corinthians. Now, in the world, we have the Jews the Gentiles, and the church of God. The Jews were God's chosen people for the Old Testament times. And they were chosen not because they were great in number or mighty in number, but because they were small in number and God wanted to show his glory through them and he called them to be the carriers of the oracles of God to the Gentile world. Well, we know that they failed. The Gentiles are separate from the Jews and here's the thing about it. The majority of the Gentiles today hate the Jews. The church is made up of both Jews and Gentiles and the world itself hates the church. So we have three classes of people in the world, but not only do we have three classes of people in the world, we have three classes of people within the local New Testament church. One of, one of them is the natural man. That means that we could possibly have people on the church roll and people who attend church every service right here at Calvary Baptist Church that sit on these chairs every service but have never been saved by the marvelous grace of God. They're putting on the front. They act like anybody else and you cannot see their heart. You don't know, but they're lost. They're called a natural man. And then there's another type of person within the church who is called the spiritual man. That 
is those who, like I said, they discern. They have the mind of Christ. They want to do the work of God. They want to follow the Lord. They want to win souls. They want to see people saved. They want the, the church to grow. They want to give. They want to do everything that they can to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and lead people to Christ. That's a spiritual man. Then you've got the carnal man who also dwells within a church and he could be saved and he could not be saved. There's a lot of people who are going to say it under carnality that claim they're saved, but they've never really been saved. They're just living a carnal, a fleshly life. But then there are some who are actually saved, but they're, they just seem to never mature in the things of God or in the things of Christ to ever become spiritual, to really do anything for God. They're going to stand before the Lord. They're going to be ashamed and give an account of a wasted life, but they're carnal. And that's what Paul is talking to. I want to give you a few things about the natural man. First of all, I want you to notice here, and if you're taking notes, first of all, the natural man is rebellious against the things of God. The Bible said, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The word receiveth means to welcome, to embrace, or to approve of the things of God. You wonder why so many oftentimes give you trouble when you want to do something within the church and they don't want to get in line and they fight everything that you're doing. I mean, if you try to take on a new missionary, uh, they, they're against it. If you want to take up a little bit of money or you want to help the pastor like help him to get to California, they fight against that. You want to try to build a new church, there's some that are uh, the natural man is against that. There's no doubt in my mind that there are people in, in this locale where we are here that do not want to see a building go up over across the road over there. But bless God, if God's in it, they may as well forget it. It's going up. Amen. But there are natural men who, uh, as the preacher mentioned just last Wednesday, I think it was, jumping the tombstones out here on, uh, on motorbikes and dirt bikes and, and that sort of thing. They have no respect for the church. They have no respect for the things of God. They are in rebellion against God and uh, they will do everything they can to destroy the work of God. You'd be surprised how many people love to see this building burn down. And there's probably some that love to see it burn down with all of us in it. That's right. Look what's going on in our world, my friend. And I'm convinced there's probably some in our, right around our neighborhood that are just like that. They would kill us if they could. He's in rebellion. Not only that, his reasoning is depraved. The Bible said, for their foolishness unto him. What we're doing here, Brother Brandon, is foolish to the world people getting saved and people coming to Christ and people trying to dress up and, you know, get their life straightened out, not crawling around out here with the drunks and out in the ditches and all that and, and getting right with God. They're against that. It's foolishness to them. I know we'll forget many years ago I went with a preacher to see a man. I'm not going to say where he lived or uh, all of that, but he'd come to several churches and they'd come to the church and they'd use the church and children to get the church to pay their bills, light bills, and this sort of thing. And they did that to just about every church around until finally the churches got wise and quit doing that. Well, the preacher asked me to go with him one time to see this family, and as soon as he named the named fella, I knew exactly who it was because I'd been to his house. We went to his house, and it's cold, wintertime. I mean cold. Three little kids run around, no heat. Water froze up in the house. Nothing to eat, and I really felt sorry for those kids. But you know what he was doing when we walked in? He was sitting in a chair with his feet propped up on a coffee table, barefooted, no shirt on, with a glass of beer. 
and refrigerator. He took what money he had, I guess, and bought beer and had it in the refrigerator. And he got to talking about how uh, desperate they were. And his wife looked at me and she started kind of snarling nose and she called me a, a, a one of these here uppity-up preachers or something, you know, because I was all dressed up. Yeah, you're, you've got your nice clothes on and, and while other people are suffering, and boy, that, I mean, I got in the flesh. I said, let me tell you something. I said, 25 or 30 years ago, I said, I was just like him. Drank my beer, drank my liquor, had no time for God, had no time for the things of God, and I said, wasted my money on alcohol, and I said, thank God for one thing. I said, he saved me. And bless God, when he saved me, he put a suit of clothes on me. And I was able to dress myself up. And I was able to buy some groceries, bless God, for my kids and for my family. And to get have a warm fire and a place for my kids and my family to stay. And I said, if he get off of his laser rear end and go to work and get busy and get right with God, you can have what I have, amen. I don't know whatever happened to that family, but they used every church around till finally they couldn't get any more help. Now, what do you do in a case like that? I mean, when you do everything that you possibly can to help somebody, and then they throw that in your face. Well, I want you to know, bless God, I'm not like that crowd. And what I'm doing is foolishness unto them. Wearing a tie, I'm not too particular crazy about wearing ties. Matter of fact, I hate them. I like to take them off just as soon as I get home. But you know why I wear it? I'm not wearing it because I'm trying to be proud or because I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to just put on a front. I do it because I love the Lord and I dressed up for the devil when I live for him and I want to dress up for Jesus while I'm living for him, bless God. Amen. Yes, sir. When I come to church, I put the best I've got on when I come because I put the best on when I went out for the devil. I didn't look so good after I got out in, in the world and, and, and got all boozed up, you know, but I didn't look so good then. But I, I, I try to dress up. I want to I look good for my Lord for what he done for me. And I want to show this world, praise God, that he can take an old drunk and get him up out of the mire and put some clothes on him and give him a right mind, amen. It's foolishness. Their reasoning is darkened. The word foolishness comes from a Greek word which means absurd, unrealistic. To the unnatural or the nat natural man, what we're doing it's just, it's unrealistic. It's the resurrection of Christ is not real. The crucifixion of Christ is not real to the lost man. They, they think it's absurd. It's a, a figment of somebody's imagination. It's some old wives' tale or some old fogey has come up with a story. Brother, it's not real to them. But I want you to know it's real to us who are saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. It's foolishness. And then I want you to notice his restraint. The natural man's restraint. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There's a restraint. Psalm 119 verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The natural man is restrained from understanding the spiritual things of God and their foolishness unto him because he does not know the Holy Spirit. And until the Holy Spirit of God opens up his heart and his understanding and his mind and shows him that he is lost without Christ through the word of God, he'll never get saved. That's why it's important to preach the word of God. It has bothered me for 
several weeks. I have read so much on the coming of the Lord and the last days and the rapture of the church. And I've heard so much preaching and so much teaching that it actually bothered me to the point. I said, God, you got to help me to get off this bandwagon that a lot of preachers are on today and they're preaching, assumption preaching instead of preaching the truth of the word of God. It bothered me and it still bothered me. And I had some questions. I've heard we've been taught all uh, ever since I've been saved, I guess, by prophecy preachers and preachers that believe in the rapture. And they come up with all kinds of things that are going to happen at the rapture and not one verse of scripture in the word of God tells us about some of the things that we hear preached. I've heard that immediately after the rapture of the church, the tribulation period will start. I can't find that in the scripture. There are so many things that are taught in the word of God that's got to happen during that period of time. I'm wondering just how it's going to happen. Some of the things are going to happen if there's only a seven-year tribulation period and it begins immediately after the rapture church. For instance, one thing, the temple's got to be rebuilt there. We don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, it could possibly be before the rapture of the church that they could do that. We don't know. But there's a lot of stuff that's being preached. And then we hear about uh, the graves being turned upside down, all, all of that, you know. You don't see that in the Scripture. I know we use the Scripture where Christ resurrected from the dead and some of those came, the graves were opened and some came out and they went into Jerusalem. God gave me the answer to that the other day. I was praying. I said, God, you know, I don't understand that and I hear preachers preaching that the graves will be just torn up and opened up and people come out at the rapture and I said, you didn't have to come out. You didn't have to open the tomb when you came out. When Christ came out, the tomb was opened up to let everybody know he was out. And uh, I think the Lord gave me the answer. I thought about what the Bible said, that the Jews require, require a sign. And uh, Christ told that crowd of Pharisees and those that were around him, he said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but he said, there shall no sign be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, what was the sign of the prophet Jonah? Three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. And Christ said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the fish, three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth, three days and three nights. And the only sign he said would be given to that wicked generation was what? His resurrection. Now, here's a, a, a key to this thing. Christ did not appear to those Pharisees or Sadducees or that religious crowd after his resurrection. Who did? Those that came out of the grave at his resurrection. They walked into Jerusalem and they saw them. They did not appear to Gentiles. They did not appear to church members because there was no church. The church hadn't been started. And I believe that God allowed, the Lord allowed those people to walk into Jerusalem as a sign unto that religious bunch that Jesus Christ had come forth from the ground. How else would they have resurrected and they should have known their Old Testament scriptures that there was going to be a resurrection. It was taught, and that was the sign that was given. And a lot of things are being taught. We, we, I'm going to be honest with you. If you stop and think about it tonight, we, as children of God, don't actually know exactly everything that's going to happen at the rapture. The Bible teaches that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. What's going to happen to this body? What's going to happen to the blood, the bones? The Bible says we'll be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, but flesh and blood is not going into heaven, so we don't know what, we don't know what kind of change is going to happen, brother. Now, you think about it. 
and I think you'll see the same thing that I see that a lot of assumption we're assuming that this is going to happen or that's going to happen, and it may. I'm not saying it, it's not. I'm not preaching against that, but I'm saying that if it's not in the Word of God, we better be careful what we say about it. Depravity of the natural man. He, he's, he, he's restrained from understanding the Word of God. Then there's the dedication of the spiritual man, and I've got to hurry up and close. Uh, he's a man of discernment. Verse number 15 says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Judgeth means to examine or discern spiritual things. We don't just dive into things without getting in this book and finding out what God has to say about it. If I want to know something the Lord wants me to know, I'm to get in this. I'm not to take any person's word for anything if it doesn't come from here. Amen. Come on now. Yes, sir. We're paying attention to too many uh, these here jack legs like Joel Osteen who made the statement. He said, we preach that there's only one way to God. He said, through Jesus Christ. But he said, we preach that there are many ways to Jesus. Now, that sounds good, but it's a lie right out of hell, brother. And that's exactly what he said. I heard him say it. You go on YouTube and, and check it out. There's only one way, brother. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And there's only one way to get to Jesus, brother, and that's through the gospel. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Man of discernment is the spiritual man. First John chapter 2 verse 27 says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as uh, it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. You have that anointing in you, and he leads you, and he guides you. If you don't have him, you don't belong to Christ. The spiritual man is a man of discernment. Then he's a man of distinction, yet he himself is judge of no man. We discern all things by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, but we are not discerned by others because they can't understand us. Amen. Yeah, that's what the word discern means, to understand and then not only that, not only is he a man of, of distinction, but the spiritual man is a man of discipline. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We're disciplined. We obey the Lord. We listen to the word of God. I don't know what you want, but I want the word of God. I want the Bible. I want to be taught the word of God. And then last of all, I want you to notice the deficiency of the carnal man. Here Paul speaks of a third class of people who are living after the flesh and living a carnal life in the flesh and they're no good to the devil or God. And that's a fact. A carnal person who is living outside of the will of God and outside of the, the things of God and the things of Christ and walking after the flesh is no good to the church and he's no good to the devil. Why? He's trying to straddle the fence. He's trying to live on both sides. He's trying to have one foot over here in the world and the other one over here and he's trying to straddle the fence, brother, and it just doesn't work. He's deficient. First of all, they lack maturity, not grown up in the things of God. What was it the preacher told about in uh, Hebrews that when for the time you should be teachers, teaching others, but you stand in need of someone coming and teaching to you again the first principles of the oracles of God. What are the oracles of God? The word of God. And he's talking about the first principles. What are the first principles? Salvation, cross, resurrection. 
the, the fundamental things that we ought to be. Uh, let, hey, let me, let me say this. I'm not throwing any reproach on the cross, but I'm saying one thing right now. We need to get away from the cross, bless God, and grow up and get out here and, uh, and start serving a resurrected Lord, not a Lord hanging on the cross. Now, praise God for the blood. We come to the cross. We come to the blood, and we get saved. But, brother, don't hang around the cross. Get up and follow the resurrected Christ. He's not dead. He's not hanging on a cross no more. He's alive, praise God. Not only Paul said, I couldn't speak to you as under spiritual, but I've got to talk to you as babes because you just can't stand it. That's why you see some people fly off the handle, you know, that are in the church, and you make mention of the fact, hey, brother, you need to be out trying to win some souls and, and try to get some people saved, and you need to be out here trying to lead others, others to Christ. And they say, well, I don't believe in all. I don't think we have to do that. People, I know some people right close to here that say, no use doing that. These doors have been knocked on so much and done aggravated people so much, they don't want to hear it anymore. Well, that's not what God said. God said, snatch them out of hell if it's all possible. Do everything you can to jerk them out of hell to keep them from going to hell. You know when God will be done with our witnessing? It's when that trumpet blows and we're caught out of here, brother. It's over. That's when it'll, when it'll be over. And then we find Paul said, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you're not able Brother Horn, <laughs> I went to Cracker Barrel last night. I didn't go in there and ask them for pablum. I didn't go in there and ask them for cereal or oatmeal. I went in there and I pointed out on that menu, I said, I want that big steak and I want that thing medium to well and I want a big house salad. And she said, what do you want, cornbread or biscuits? I said, bring me some biscuits. And I sat down there and ate that. And I mean, when I got away from the table, the reason I did it was my wife's birthday. <laughs> but occasionally we go there and it's not her birthday. But I'm not going in there and drink milk and eat pablum, brother, when they got a big steak about that big. I'm, I want the steak, baked potato, the salad. I want the works. Now, when it comes to the Word of God, I know that there's some young Christians that have to be taught in the things of God, but you can't feed me, brother, uh, dwelling around the tomb and, and uh, talking about Mary being at the tomb. And all That don't feed me. It's, it's a blessing. Thank God Christ resurrected. He's alive. But brother, you got to get in some deep things in here if you're going to feed me. And so I don't depend on the preacher to do that. I do that for myself. The preacher wasn't there to feed me my steak last night, amen. I did it for myself. I'm saying that we need to get in this book and start learning the Word of God. Paul said, For you yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? We ought to be walking like Christians. We need to be walking like people who love God and who are filled with the Spirit of God. I close with this. It said... In the word of God, and Jesus said, and if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And I want to say to you tonight that if we are divided and we are against one another in the church and we're trying to walk in the flesh and walk carnal walk after the world and all of this stuff and we can't get together and, and get right with the Lord and get our hearts right and, and get behind the Lord Jesus Christ and start serving him and, and doing things that the word of God tells us we ought to be doing. Brother, we'll fall. That's why so many churches, somebody said this past week that they knew of five churches the last week closed for the last time. Well, you heard what the preacher said. That the young lady said, here we are building a church. And her church was closing. 
this was this past Sunday for the last Sunday. And they wonder why, how, how is your church growing and, and how is it that, that people are coming to your church and ours are closing? I'm going to tell you why. It's because we haven't forgot the gospel and we haven't forgot this whole book. Brother, when you go to the contemporary music and the contemporary stuff, I talked to a man just like yesterday, uh, not a man, but a young lady, goes to a contemporary, the contemporary church. I said, hey, she's a young black girl. I said, hey, why don't you come and visit with us at Calvary Baptist Church in Union Grove? And, and oh, she, it just seemed like she was so excited. She said, uh, I, I am amazed that you would invite me to come. I said, look, we have a church that's trying to reach everybody for Christ. We have no distinctions about colors and all this stuff. We're trying to get people and keep people out of hell. That's what I told her. And I said, you come. And she said, I, I might do that. I talked to a man and his wife that lived right over here in Harmony. He had a pair of bibbed overhauls on, had a beard and straw hat on, him and his wife. And we were sitting there and he got, we got talking about the Lord. And I asked him about their church, and he, he goes, to, they go to one of them contemporary uh, outfits. I didn't say nothing against it. I didn't want to, you know, I want to try to. I told him, I said, look, I said, we're building a brand new church up here on Indian Hill Road. I said, right behind the Union Grove School. I said, you need to come up and visit with me. He said, well, if I come up and visit with you, he said, you have to come and visit with us. Home. I said, well, we just might do that. You know, I, I'm not getting into no contemporary stuff. But I'll do anything I can other than just tell an out-and-out lie to, to get them to come and hear the gospel. And then after that, it's up to them. But I'm going to try to get them in as much as, as I possibly can. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed. and Brother Brandon, you come on and close the service. invitation here but you know the challenge was there I've been challenged as well to, to really get into my Bible really get in there and begin to study the word and you know he, he described three different types of people there within the church and it's really just reflection on us you know as, as the pianist plays here just for a moment our head bowed our eyes are closed you just reflect on what was just preached as well you know what? Which which category do you fall into tonight, Lord? Maybe it's maybe maybe you're in that category that's that's still worldly. Maybe it's still the cardinal the cardinal side still has there. You know you're you're balancing that. The balancing act is there. Maybe you're spiritually discerned. More, maybe maybe the Lord's calling you to maybe get in your Bible more. Maybe to be able to teach others. And then maybe you're on the other side. Whatever it is tonight that the Lord maybe has spoke to your heart, maybe he's challenged you. I got the challenge to, to really get into my word, to get into God's word even that much more. And maybe tonight God's challenged you with the same. Whatever it is tonight that God worked on you or maybe laid upon your heart, I, you just get you just do business with God. We'll just give just a moment of invitation, just a couple of stanzas here. You do business as God laid upon your heart tonight.